Okay. Okay. Woo. There we go. Woo. Okay. Uh, my microphone wasn't working. <laughs> All right. Let me turn my volume up. Okay. So, welcome back to Just a Girl in True Crime. Obviously, you know me. I'm your host, Heaven. And tonight's case, we're going to be talking about the murders of Brenda and Erica Lafferty. Um, how I found this case is I just googled Utah murders and that's the first one that popped up. Sometimes I like to do that. Um, and we're just going to hop right into it. It's probably not going to be a super long one, but, you know, we're going to do it because I said I was going to podcast tonight. So, Brenda was born um, July 19th in the year of 1960 to James and Lorae Wright. Brenda grew up in the city of Kimberly, Idaho, in an LDS family that included her parents, five sisters, and one brother. Eventually, when Brenda got older, she moved from Idaho and she went to Utah to attend Birmingham Young University as a broadcast journalism major student from the very little like I saw like I really tried to research and I couldn't find much um really about Brenda's early life um but what I did find is that her parents did support her a hundred percent in doing journalism they were like yep Brenda go do that go get it girl they probably didn't say that but that's how I'd say it um so Brenda um when she left and went to Utah. She worked as a news a news anchor during her time at BYU, which is the Birmingham the Birmingham uh, Young University. And she ex- also excelled in singing and theater. At one point, um, she was there. She ended up meeting a guy named Alan Lafferty, and you know they begin a nurturing relationship. And things start to move, so on and so forth. So, eventually, Brenda and Alan, they got married in the year of 1982 at an LDS temple. Because Alan's family was also um, LDS members as well, so Mormon. Um, Because, like I said, they grew both grew up Mormon. Um, and I'm going to be talking a little bit more about Alan's family, especially his two brothers. Alan, um, not Alan. Brenda was a free spirit who, you know, she really didn't hold back any of her opinions. And Ron, the eldest brother of Alan, um, even believed that Brenda encouraged his ex-wife, well, his current wife, Uh, That she encouraged his wife, his ex-wife now, to obtain a a divorce from him when Ron's wife, you know, ended up leaving him because she refused to practice polygamy. So, y'all know what polygamy is. I'm not going to explain it to you, and if you don't, just Google it. And since that, you know, happened, Brenda became a 
became a very unfriendly presence in his life. She even reportedly stopped her husband, Alan, from actually joining the School of Prophet, Prophets with his brothers. And they say, basically, that was a cult. And we all know I like some cults, but I did not do too much research into this cult thing. Because, you know, I just didn't. This was a sad case, and I wanted to get it over with because it's sad. I mean, all my cases are sad, but this this is very sad. A year later, on April 28th in 1983, Brenda and Alan had welcomed their first um, baby girl into the world. And her name was Erica Lane Lafferty. Now, like I said, when I talk about the family... Lafferty's, we are going to be focusing on the two main brothers, and that is Ron and Dan Lafferty. Okay, and we're going to hop right into that. So, as you know, Ron and Dan were Mormon. They were born into the Mormon faith in the 1940s. Their parents are Warren and Claudine. They had four boys and two daughters. Claudine, she was very submissive, and their father Warren was prone to fits of anger. And he would hit his wife, and he actually once, this is a trigger warning, I'm sorry, there's going to be like another one later. Um, He would um beat the family dog, he ended up beating the family dog to death in front of everybody, which, that's traumatic. I mean, what? Warren um was also extreme in other ways too. Um, He was distrustful of conventional medicine. He um, waited one time until, like, his daughter's, like, appendix um, burst before having to take her to the hospital, which that's kind of fucked up, Warren. And then one another time is when one of his sons actually, I'm sorry, not actually, accidentally shot himself in the stomach with an arrow. Warren actually forbade him from getting help until the following day. The following day because he broke Sabbath. I don't know what Sabbath is. Um, now, despite of all that stuff they went through as a family, Dan, one of the brothers, actually remembered his father fondly. As John... Oh, I'm going to pronounce this guy's last name wrong. Crack... Crackayer? We're just going to call him John K. Um, he wrote this book, um, I'm sorry, he wrote in his 2003 account of the murder, Under the Banner of Heaven, a story of a violent faith. Um, Dan, you know, he considered his father Warren a superb role model who centered his life around family and faith, which, Dan, I don't know if we were, I was reading the same person, you were looking at the same person, but I mean, anybody who beats his wife, and ends up killing their family dog in front of his children, that don't make you a role model. I think that makes you psychotic. But, like I said, obviously Dan and I have different views on role models too. He said that he was blessed to be raised in a very special family and a happy one if that. Dan told John that we never wanted for anything. My parents truly cared and they loved, um, you know, they loved one another. And they, you know, cared for each other. 
Within their family, Dan became especially close to his oldest brother, Ron. And that's because they um, had similar short tempers and a lot of growing issues with the um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Dan began to believe that the mainstream Mormon church had made a mistake by abandoning um, polygamy. And Ron eventually came to accept Dan's stance, um, which we already know that his wife, that's what his, um, led his wife to leave him. And when she left, she took their six kids to Florida. And by the 1980s, Ron and Dan Lafferty were basically excommunicated from the church and they decided to join a polygamous uh, cult called the School of Prophets. They ended up growing out their long hair, and they started to see themselves as, you know, the church leaders. Then Ron claimed that he actually communicated with God. Four years later, um, in March of 1984, Ron Lafferty received a divine, um, received divine instructions from God himself, he says. Um, conveniently, God wanted Ron to murder the people he felt had wronged him, which would be his sister-in-law, Brenda, who helped his wife leave, Chloe Lowe, who supported his wife from leaving. Um, she supported his wife leaving. Um, and then Richard Stowe, the man who presided over the excommunication of Ron and Dan Lafferty. Now, Ron wrote down God's message on a yellow legal pad, and he showed it to his brother, Dan. And the message was soon called Removal Revelation, and this is what the note read. Thus, sainteth the Lord unto my servants, the prophets. It is my will and commandment that ye remove the following individuals in order that my work might go forward. For they have truly become obstacles in my path, and I will not allow my work to be stopped. First thy brother's wife, Brenda and her baby. Then Chloe Lowe, and then Richard Stowe. And this will be that they be removed in rapid succession. Now, whew, I mean, if God came and talked to you, Ron... I mean, that's a lot. I'm glad you could recite that, but I don't think you were talking to God. I don't, I don't think, well, I think you were actually, I mean, sure. Okay. Sure, people can talk to God. I mean, I talk to God every day. Um, but I mean, he's never told me he wants to kill anybody. But I mean, you know, that's, that's just me. Now, Dan claimed that Ron was initially frightened by this uh revelation which i mean you should be because that if someone came to me and was like heaven you need to kill so and so i would be like uh i'm checking myself into a menstrual institution because that doesn't seem right um dan told him well i can see why you're concerned and dan explained that in um under the banner of heaven according you know that's what he said 
Dan also told his brother, all I can say is make sure it's from God. You don't want to act on um, commandments that are not from God. But at the same time, you don't want to offend God by refusing to do his work. After they consulted the Book of Mormon, Ron and Dan Lafferty decided to obey the removal revelation, and they resolved um, to start with their 24-year-old sister-in-law, Brenda Lafferty, and her 15-month-old daughter, Erica. Brenda was married, obviously, like I said, to the youngest son, Alan, but Brenda always um, rubbed them the wrong way. Brenda, she was very confident, beautiful, and she was educated. And she actually made it no, se- no like, secret that she really disagreed with the brothers' fundamentalist, fundamental, fundamentalistic views. And she definitely didn't agree with um, that Ron Lafferty was a prophet like he claimed to be. Thus, a few months after Ron received the removal revelation, he and Don, he and Dan, sorry, had actually put their plan into action. And on July 24th in 1984, they drove to Brenda and Alan's apartment in American Fork to kill her. And, you know, obviously her baby. So, as you know by now, or you should know, that Ron and Dan are the murderers. Now, we're going to talk about the gruesome murders, and this is a trigger warning. If you don't want to hear this, um, you know, just skip it, because it's rough. It's rough. Um, so, there was a total of four people, because two were getaway drivers. Um... And they were actually two drifters named Charles Carnes and Richard Knapp. Okay. And, you know, like I said, their roles were to be getaway drivers. They were sitting outside in the car while the murders were happening. Which, I mean, how do you, if people come up to you and be like, hey, you want to kill somebody? And you're like, yeah, I got nothing planned for that day. I don't, I don't get it. Just run the other way. All right. So, we're going to set the scene. They're all four in the car. They drove to the apartment. The Charles and Richard are in the car waiting while Ron and Dan force their way into Brenda's apartment. And once they get in, um, they beat her, they strangle her with the vacuum cord, and then they slit her throat. Um, but, you know, Brenda, being the strong badass little person she is she fought back and richard knapp uh he later testified like testified saying that he heard screaming don't hurt my baby please don't hurt my baby and she tried to fight him and then that's when richard said um the screaming suddenly stopped and there was just no more crying there was no screaming it was basically silence Dan recalled the murder um, kind of in a calm and chilling detail, and this is what he really had to say about it. He said he held Brenda's hair, and he did it pretty much like the way they did it in the scriptures. Um, and that's what he told, like, um, discreet news. 
he then also said he walked into Erica's room, the 15-month-old baby. Trigger warning, if you don't want to hear this, skip forward. Um, he walked in, he talked to her for a minute, and he said, um, I'm not sure why I'm supposed to do this, but I guess God wants you home. And then he proceeded to cut 15-month-old um, Erica's throat. Dan says he likes to think that she didn't suffer. And that it should probably draw more sympathy than it does. But he says he actually doesn't let it get to him. Or he doesn't let it. And, you know, to that I say, what a monster. Because, I mean, how can you harm? How can you harm your niece? I mean, how can you harm your sister-in-law? But, I mean, your your niece? I mean, what? Now, the other getaway driver, um, Charles also testified and he has like a different recollection of like what happened I guess um he says while Dan did kill Erica Ron had actually killed Brenda and he recalled that night by saying um the two brothers Ron and Dan fled the scene and Ron pulled out a knife out of his pocket and he banged it against his knee saying I killed her I killed her. I killed that bitch. I can't believe I killed her. Also, according to Charles, Ron then turned to Dan and said, thank you, brother, for doing the baby, because I don't think I had it in me. The two brothers um, were obviously supposed to go on and kill the other two people, Chloe Lowe and Richard Stowe, that night, but fate kind of went in a different way. When they went to Chloe's house, um, thankfully she wasn't home. And then they ended up missing a turn off for Richards. And they just didn't turn around and go back. So thankfully, again, it's sad that Brenda and Erica Erica lost their lives. um, But at least they didn't kill the other people on the list. Which, very sad. So instead, they ended up just going to Nevada because that's where they wanted to go. Dan said he um, would have killed the others the same way. But once, you know, he said that the next steps didn't happen, they didn't line up, he knew it wasn't meant to be. There was, there wasn't like much enthusiasm for it. When Alan arrived um, back home later that day, he found his wife and his 15-month-old daughter dead. And he actually had no doubts on who killed them and who was responsible. I'm assuming he called 911. Um, but you see, Ron and Dan had actually shared their removal revelation with Alan. But Alan kind of brushed it off or like brushed it aside and apparently didn't take it seriously. And a month later, um, Ron and Dan were arrested in Reno, Nevada. I believe it said that they were, um, I think they were at a casino, but they got arrested. So, you know, what happened to them after they got arrested? Well, Ron and Dan were charged with two counts of criminal homicide, two counts of aggravated burglary, and two counts of conspiracy to commit homicide. 
the two brothers were actually supposed to stand trial together. Um, but Ron over here attempted suicide in prison, and that just delayed his, uh, that delayed his trial. At Dan's trial, um, on Janu in January of 1985, Dan actually represented himself. But, you know, I guess he wasn't successful, and all this evidence proved that he was there, and he was found guilty on two counts of first-degree murder and four other felonies. And he was sentenced to two life terms uh, in prison. I heard, like, a juror was actually, like, holding out, like, the death penalty for him. And then Ron, ouch. <laughs> and then Ron actually went to trial that same year, but in April. And he was also found guilty, but he was given the death penalty, despite years of appeals and based on Ron's mental state. Um, the death sentence still stuck. However, Ron died in 2019 before his execution, which um, was to be, um, now this was per his request, he wanted to die by a firing squad, which I didn't even know back then you got, like, an option. I just thought they gave you a needle or they shocked you. I mean, I didn't know you could request death. But um, I said, if he only hold, held on, like, a little longer... But he died at 78 years old, and he died peacefully in his sleep, but he was sick over time, what I've read. He was dealing with some illnesses, but you know what, Ron? You shouldn't have died in your sleep. You should have died with someone stabbing you in the throat or something. I don't know. My opinion. All right. Um... Iran believed his incarceration and conviction were actually a result of a conspiracy between the state and the church and the unseen spirit, spiritual forces, including the spirit of the judge's deceased father, amongst other, others. His lawyer, Michelle Day, told the New York Times following his death, um, she really em emphasized his uh, fragile mental state. Um, she also added that he believed, um, that Ron believed all his attorneys were actually working against him, and that one, one of his attorneys was a reincarnation, um, or, like, reincarnated his sister, who later became possessed by an evil spirit. Though Ron really never gave interviews before his death, his brother Dan publicly maintained he maintained a blasé attitude toward um the murders i lost my place <laughs> and at one of his brother's uh, appeals in 1996 dan actually said that he um quote i am not ashamed about what happened it was just a matter of business he also told um the news um like the news that it that it never haunted him it's never bothered him and he doesn't blame anyone for not understanding it but if you've done it you wouldn't you wouldn't uh it wouldn't haunt you either i'm sorry i was like no i'm reading that wrong it was a strange phenomenon 
Now, this gruesome story of Ron and Dan Lafferty is being um, told, like, again. Dustin Lane Black, who wrote the film Milk and helped write and produce the polygamy drama Big Love, has adapted to John Kay's book, who we talked about earlier, um, for TV. And a new show has came out um, on April 28th in 2022 of this year. Um, it premieres on F- FX, and it's called, obviously, Under the Banner of Heaven. It's also on Hulu because I just started watching it today, and I've I've been researching this case for about a couple of days now, and I watch on Hulu, and I never seen it, and then I turned on my TV today, and it was like popped up, and it was like, oh, um, under the banner of heaven. So I started watching it, and I think I'm on like episode four, and it's like a mini series, and I mean it's sad but i mean it's good so far they really think alan had uh something to do with it but you know in murder crimes who all who always does it husband but it's a good series and i think you should watch it um it obviously tells a story about family and the faith and the murder and the revenge of the revenge and the fine line between divine and uh despicable now, the two getaway drivers were also charged with, um, hold on. They were charged with, mm-mm-mm. they were charged with the two counts of, um, aggravated homicide, the two counts of, I didn't write it down. Mm, give me one second. Okay. Um. Two counts of aver- of uh, criminal homicide, and they were um also charged with two counts of conspiracy to commit homicide. The only thing they weren't charged on were the um two counts of aggravated burglary. Um, totally forgot to write it down because I thought it was the same until I looked over at it, but it wasn't. So that's what happened to them. I'm assuming they were found guilty. I didn't really do much into them. Um, so, yeah. Ron died in prison. In his sleep. Um, Dan, over here, he doesn't believe he'll die in prison. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Instead, he believes the walls are going to crumble and he's going to emerge as the biblical prophet. Elijah, announcing the second coming of Christ. Now, listen, I'm all I'm waiting for Jesus to come. Okay, I'm ready for it. I believe he's coming. But Dan, I don't think Jesus, I don't think you're going to be a prophet. I don't think Jesus is going to let that happen. I just don't. I mean, Dan, whatever helps you sleep at night, if that's what you think, you can think that. But I'm telling you, Jesus is not going to let you be a prophet a biblical prophet no that ain't happening i just really seems far-fetched for you dan i'm just just calling it how it is now a man named gordon hickley a former head of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints he actually publicly stated that the lafferty brothers have no connection to them whatsoever and that they don't belong to the church and that there are actually no Mormon fundal- 
fundamentalist in the Mormon church. So, boom, mic drop on Gordon. Good for you. Um, but guys, that, this is, I told you this is going to be a short one. Um, that is the story, um, the sad story of Brenda and Erica Lafferty, who were brutally murdered. Um, I hope Alan has found some type of peace. Um, you know, and maybe hopefully he remarried and found love, but you know, just know Alan, you're going to see your wife one day um and that's it because it's about eleven thirty, and i'm gonna go watch the rest of uh under the banner of heaven and everything like that um but if you want to follow me you can follow me on instagram at just a grown true crime you can send me a gmail at just a grown true crime at gmail.com you can like the tiktok page at heaven's true crime because i could not put just grown true crime because i was already taken um you can and uh, what am i missing oh youtube you can uh you know search our videos on youtube at just a grown true crime and last but not least you can follow um you can follow or like or whatever leave your awesome reviews um, on our Facebook page at Just a Grown True Crime. And I think I've covered all my bases. Um, Friday I will have another episode for you. I don't know if I fill in a murder. Maybe we'll do... Hmm. What should we do? Oh, maybe we should do conspiracy. Ah, okay. So we should... I think we should either do an urban legend or we should do like a conspiracy theory type thing. I'm going to put a poll on Facebook and, you know, whoever likes that or follows that, y'all comment and stuff. Tell me what you want to hear. And I might, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. And on one of these days, I'm going to go live on my Instagram and I'm going to talk about a case. Um, I want to start a Patreon account, but I just don't have the time. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Work's been kicking my butt. Um... <laughs> a lot of stuff going on my oldest he's finally done with kindergarten um he was done last week last thursday um so he's been home so you know any shot of me podcast podcasting like during the day it it just isn't gonna happen because my two children they're both boys um all they do is fight so, you know, and they have tablets and they fight over their tablets. One's looking at one's tablet. One's do you know, it just never ends. And then I'm like, oh, um, you know, and then they like to destroy my house. So, you know, most of my day I'm spent cleaning um, or I take them to the park or something like that. Um, ice cream, you know, whatever. But he finally finished school. So morning podcast, afternoon podcast, they're just not going to happen unless they sleep in, unless like my uh second my youngest son um earlier this week he decided to keep me up till three in the morning when i came home from work at 11 o'clock um and the only silver lining for that was that he he ended up sleeping till almost nine o'clock which was nice but my uh oldest when he he plays minecraft he likes to narrate and he likes to narrate what he's doing and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> Your brother is sleeping. 
Like, he, we fell asleep on the couch. Calm down. <laughs> and I'm like, keep it down. And then he'll be like, okay. And then five minutes later, his voice, like, amplifies from, like, five, I'm telling you, to, like, 25. And I'm like, if you wake your brother up, you're going to be in trouble. Um, so, yeah. He's on summer vacation, which means, you know, we can't lay around the house. Um, but he's ready for first grade, and I'm not ready for him to go to first grade. So, oh my goodness. Um, you know, I think I covered everything. I don't think, uh, I need to ban, I don't think I need to talk any, talk anymore, but. Huh. I think that's everything. Um, so guys, I hope you have a great night. Oh, a happy, uh. We've, uh, wherever you listen to it, it's June 7th here for at least 30 more minutes. We made it through our, like, first week of June. Can't believe it's June already. That's crazy. <clears throat> I think 2022 is going to fly by so quickly like it already is. Um, and stuff like that. But, um, remember, spread love, not hate. Let's keep praying for everybody in the world who needs prayed, especially for Ukraine. Let's play, pray for all the victims. Um, and you know, try, you know, be nice to somebody. Nobody likes a Karen, okay? You know, I think I'm going to end my podcast. Nobody likes a Karen. Because you know what? I've had a couple Karens on this podcast who've said mean messages. No one likes a Karen. Okay? And we're going to end it on that. Boom. Mic drop. Do you like my voice? <laughs>